Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Joanne Wilson, co-pastor at Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. Here we go. Time to get into the word um, ghost. We've been in this series now, I believe, for seven weeks, and it's finally coming to an end. If you're out there right now, you're on Zoom or you're on, um, I don't know, Facebook or YouTube, if you've liked this series, maybe you just put like a thumbs up in the chat right now, man. Listen, I could talk about the Holy Spirit all year um, because we need him. That's who Jesus left us to be able to navigate this life. But if you've been digging this series, just leave me a thumbs up, man, so I can kind of know where I'm going head next, man. I could always talk about the Holy Spirit because it's awesome. So if you got your Bibles today, I think that this is really the key. What I'm about to give you right now is going to be some major information. If, if you have people in your life that are struggling, or if you yourself are struggling, this is the message you want to share with them, man. If, if you feel like life is a battle, you can't figure it out, you don't know what's going on, if you're depressed, if you got anxiety, this is the message for you. So I'm giving you time to tell somebody, share it right now, because I believe that this word on my heart will be a blessing to somebody that is living in fear, that is living in depression, that feels like they're on the wrong side of the war, I want you to understand that our God fights for you and he uses his spirit to do it. Amen? So if you got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. I'm going to read it and I'm going to be reading out of the NIV and it sounds something like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Somebody say full armor of God. Oh, come on in the studio. I need y'all to help me out. Say full armor of God. Oh, I like that. See, you know I'm not alone. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I love that. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of his dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up, I love that, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish, I love that, underline that word extinguish, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people if you believe that say amen 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 today if you're taking notes on the finale of this ghost series I've entitled it this I declare war I declare war we're going to go in today. Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this day, for this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that would see this message, that would hear this message, that would be affected by this message. God, I pray that I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own. Let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that hearts, minds, and ears be open and receptive to a message that's always going to be about Jesus. God, I pray for the person who's allowed anxiety to overtake them, for the person that's allowed fear and uncertainty to overtake them, for the person that is losing the battlefield in their mind today. God, I pray that they know that every battle they face is connected to something in the spirit. Teach us how to fight in the spirit, God. I pray these things, and I pray that by the time it's all said and done, somebody meets Jesus that never knew him before. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Take about five seconds wherever you are, at your house, on the Zoom, in the car, but keep your hands on the wheel, and give Jesus Christ a shout of praise. Here we go. Amen, amen, amen. I'm excited. Man, when I was uh, growing up, there was a card game I used to play, and I'm thinking about it because I'm literally looking at my phone, and I got Facebook scrolling on my phone. I saw my sister is on. Tracy, how you doing, sis? I love you. She's watching from North Carolina right now, her and her amazing family, Tracy, Jake. Uh, man, I love you guys so much, man. So thankful that you're watching. And as I thought about you, you made me think about a game, sis, we used to play all the time as uh, kids, and it was called I Declare War. I actually think you taught me how to play this game, and for whatever reason, I would always lose. I feel like it's a game of chance, but I feel like you were cheating because I was always losing for whatever reason. But we used to play this game called I Declare War, and it was a fun game because the whole purpose of the game, you split the deck in half and you flip cards and whoever has the high card gets to take the other person's cards. But there was those moments where you would both put out the same card. I put out a six, my sister would put out a six and we had to go to battle and we flipped out cards. I declare war. Whoever had the biggest card would take the pile until eventually the person with the entire pile won. I love that game, but it is only that. It is only a game. And as fun and as awesome as that game is, I just want to say this about spiritual warfare today because I want you to understand the gravity and the seriousness of the talk that I'm giving you today. Spiritual warfare is not a game. It's not something that we play around with. And I think too many people are taking this thing called spiritual warfare too lightly. We leave it uh, to the old saints as, as something that they do as something our moms and our grandmas and our grandpas did, but we believe for some reason in this generation that we have no parts in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not a game, and God is all-powerful, and he empowers us through this thing we call the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Godhead, the person, the third person of the Godhead. God empowers us through his Holy Spirit to stand firm while we are at war with the enemy. God doesn't call you to fight. He calls you to stand. You cannot stand on your own, but you can stand firm in the power of the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes, as believers, we understand that God empowers us to stand against the enemy that has no power, 
But knowing that we have the power to stand against the enemy that has no power, why do so many people feel powerless against him? I asked myself that question and I was led to Ephesians 6, chapter 10, um, excuse me, verse 10 and 11, which reads, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Stop. Did you hear what it said? So that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. Note that the verse did not say put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's power. It says put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil does not have power. He is powerless. Let me just dispel that rumor right now. The devil made me do it. He had power over me. He has no power over you except for the power that you give him yourself. The devil is powerless and hell is not a place that is designed for you. It was designed for a defeated enemy and his demons that decided to follow him. The devil has no power over you but you don't have to have power to have a plan. It says put on the full armor of God, not to withstand the devil's power, but to withstand the devil's schemes. The devil does not have power, but the devil has a plan. He has schemes. You say, how do you know that? What does John 10, 10 say? It says for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy has a plan for your life, and if you're not aware of it, you will lose every time. Say, well, the enemy got a plan for my life. It's the same plan that he has for every one of us. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. It's not an intricate plan, but it's the plan that he has. And it is the plan that he is consistent in. It is the plan that he works each and every day. And if you are not aware of the plan, the scheme that the devil is trying to uh, enact over your life, you will be fighting a losing battle. The truth is you cannot fight an enemy that you are unaware of. We need to stop acting like this spiritual warfare is, is a game and that the devil is not real or he's just this little guy that sits on your shoulder with horns and a pitchfork. No, the enemy is real and he is fighting for your soul because he wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you and he wants to destroy you. And the truth of the matter is some of us, we have no idea what we're up against. We think we, you know, we hear about the devil and we think that our moms and our, grand, our grandmothers and our grandfathers and our aunties is, is just being super spiritual and they don't know what they're talking about. But some of us have no idea what we're aware of. This is why Paul takes time to, to tell the church in Ephesus exactly what they're standing up against. Look at what Ephesians 6, 12 says. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Here's what I want you to hear when you hear that verse. This is what Paul was trying to get the church in Ephesus to understand. You do not enter spiritual warfare. You're already in it. Listen, man, if you missed that, you missed the whole message. Some of y'all think you got a choice. On if you're in this battle or not. From the moment you were born, the enemy was fighting for your soul. 
you do not have a choice in this battle. And what Paul is trying to make very clear to the church in Ephesus is that spiritual warfare is not something you turn on and off. It's ongoing. It's happening even when you don't realize you're in the fight. This is why so many people have issues, especially non-believers, because they don't even realize the middle of the war they're a part of. You do not enter spiritual warfare. You are already in it. And if you don't believe that, you're probably losing the battle. Listen to what I'm saying today. You didn't make a choice to be a part of this war. But you can choose how you fight and you can choose what side you're on. I want somebody to understand, man, God did not leave us helpless in this thing, man. He gives us tools. He gives us equipment. He prepares us to fight. And as believers, God does not leave us helpless in the war for our souls. He gives us armor through his Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the ghost this whole time. But, man, the one thing that the ghost does that we need to talk more about in church is that the ghost equips you. It prepares you for the battle that you have no choice in. You are a part of whether you want to be a part of it or not. And there's three things that I want to tell you about the armor of God that I really hope will bless you and encourage you as you face this battle that you've been thrown in the middle of. And the first is this. The armor of God will prepare you to stand firm. The armor of God will prepare you to stand firm. Look at what Ephesians 6, 14 through 15 says. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth, underline that, buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Oh, man, I love that. Underline that. Paul, when he would have wrote, he would have written this uh, during the time that he was in custody by the Roman government. We know that Paul was a prisoner at Rome, and he wrote a bunch of the New Testament actually from a prison cell. So Paul did not let his predicament discourage his faith. Even in prison, the man of God writes to encourage believers that are on the outside. So he would have been familiar with what a soldier would have worn because he was surrounded by soldiers constantly. So Paul writes this passage to the church in Ephesus, but he takes something that he is constantly seeing in the physical and he gives it a spiritual connotation for believers. He says, we got to put on the full armor of God and the order in which we hear about the armor of God would have been the same order in which a soldier would have had to put it on to prepare himself to be able to fight. So the first thing that we hear about is the belt of truth. I love this because this belt would have probably been leather in nature and it would have been something that would have been wrapped around the abdomen, but its entire function would not just have been to protect the abdomen. It would have been to hold the undergarments together before you could even put on armor. There's foundational garments that you must wear. And without this belt, those undergarments would not have been able to be held together. This is not particularly a piece of armor, but it is something that once again holds the undergarments uh, uh, together in place underneath the armor. So what am I saying about the belt of truth? The reality is truth prepares you for the battle because truth is foundational. You have to have on the belt of truth first before you even enter the battle because truth is a foundational principle in any battle. Some of us lose the fight before it starts because we can't even be honest with ourselves about the fight that we're actually in. If you can't be honest, 
You can't fight. If you can't be truthful, some of us are living a lie and wonder why we keep being defeated. Some of us need to expose the truth and not our truth, the truth that we like to think is true. No, we need to expose the truth for Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. A lot of people don't like Jesus because Jesus exposes the truth about your life, not your truth about your life. You got to be truthful before you start because here's the truth. Everything we face has a spiritual component whether we choose to acknowledge it or not. And just because you choose not to acknowledge something does not mean that it's not true. I mean, just because you don't acknowledge the bald spot in the middle of your head does not mean that you do not have a hair problem. Ah, it's not. Ah, nobody see that. As long as I don't go like this, I'm good. No, you got a problem. Just because you don't acknowledge your clothes don't fit the way that they used to don't mean that you may not have a problem gaining weight. Ooh, seven on toes a day. Just because you don't acknowledge your credit score doesn't mean you don't have a credit problem. Ah, if I don't know the number, I'm good. Just because you don't know the number doesn't mean the score is good. Just because you don't acknowledge you keep dropping the ball on your job doesn't mean you don't have a problem on your job. Just because you don't acknowledge the distance in your relationship lately doesn't mean you don't have a problem in your relationship. And just because you don't acknowledge the sin problem doesn't mean that you don't have a sin problem. In order to be effective in spiritual warfare, you must first be honest with yourself and acknowledge that we all have a fight to fight in this war. Each and every one of us. See, truth is foundational because you can't even move forward in the, you can't even begin to put on the armor of God if you do not first gird yourself in truth. That's why Jesus said it like this, John 8, 32, he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Some of us live in the bondage of our own lives because we have not decided to gird ourselves with truth. And you cannot break out of the cycle of lies that you have created for yourself because you make a conscious decision not to live in truth. But once you put on truth, now you begin to put on the armor of God because the next piece is the breastplate of righteousness. I love the breastplate of righteousness because this will be the first actual, the first real piece of armor. And I love the image of righteousness as a breastplate because it's the first layer of a real armor that the enemy encounters, but it actually is very important because that piece of armor protects all of your vital organs. You have to understand that the breastplate literally, it protects the heart, it protects the lungs, it, it protects all, all the things that are vital to the operation of a normal human being. You, you know why it says the breastplate of righteousness and not the breastplate of my righteousness? You know why it says that? I'm going to tell you why it says the breastplate of righteousness and not the breastplate of my righteousness. Because Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we do, and, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So I, I, I just want to dispel this because so many people say, man, I'm a good person. Your righteousness means nothing. Your righteousness cannot protect you. Your righteousness, my righteousness, 
is as filthy rags. I find that very interesting because when you really begin to look at what your righteousness does, your righteousness, the only thing that your righteousness could create to protect you was a filthy rag. That's not crazy that is. That's why it doesn't say like you are protected by the breastplate of my righteousness. Why? Because the last time I checked, the filthy rag does not provide any good protection for your vital organs. I mean, look at this. It's not even a clean rag. It's a dirty rag. It's a rag. Your righteousness can only muster up enough protection to put a piece of cloth between you and the enemy. But the righteousness of Jesus is awesome because as a believer, when I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, when I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that he was raised from the dead, I don't have to muster my own righteousness anymore, which is only the equivalent of a filthy rag. I begin to muster the righteousness of Jesus. So now when I wear the breastplate of righteousness, it's not the breastplate of my righteousness. It's the breastplate of righteousness based upon the character and the person of Jesus. So now I have who Jesus is standing in between me and the enemy i think it is so powerful because the name just the very name of the lord just the very name of the lord is a strong tower the righteous run into it and they are saved jesus's name is so powerful it's a fortified structure so if his name is a fortified structure how much more fortitude do you get from his actual righteousness his righteousness stands between you and the enemy so when god sees me now because i've accepted jesus he does not look upon my righteousness, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus that stands between me and the enemy. And when God looks at me, he doesn't say that's a sinner. He says that's my son because he wears the righteousness of his son, Jesus. I love the breastplate of righteousness, man, because Jesus' righteousness is able to muster enough to stand between you and the enemy. But it's even better than that because it's a layer of protection that God sees when he sees you. Man, I want somebody to understand. I thank God I'm protected by the righteousness of Jesus But that would have been the second piece to put on. And these are all foundational pieces. But the third piece, man, you got to have your feet shot with the gospel, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You got to have those peace sandals on, the, the sandals that have the peace of the gospel. This would have been the third element that the soldiers would have put on. And I don't care how strong of a warrior you are. If your feet are not protected, you cannot fight effectively. There there are literally wars that have been won in history just because of the footwear certain soldiers were wearing at the time. You cannot navigate certain terrain if your feet are not properly prepared for battle. So in, in war, The sandals that a soldier would have worn back then would have been essential, not not just for their effectiveness to win the fight, but their longevity in the fight. And I love that it says, your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the God. I love this because, like, you can't just be wearing any old shoes. 
You got to wear shoes that are custom, that are comfortable, that are tailor-made for you. Because if, you're, if, if, you're, if the foundational element on your feet is custom and it is fitted properly, you will have the proper comfort to move all around the battlefield. It says your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I can wear confidently Jesus' righteousness on my chest, but my feet must be comfortable enough to spread that righteousness everywhere. I love the, the, fit, the fittedness of the gospel of peace. Me and my wife, we like to go out and hang out and do date nights and different things like that. And I, 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 love, I love when we do it because she likes to get dressed up. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a sneakers kind of guy. I like to just be casual and chill. But, you know, she try to make every event like she going, you know, to the Met Gala or something. So, so when she goes out, it makes me laugh because she'll wear these heels. I like, I like the pumps, man. I like the, listen, man, brother, I like, I like the pumps. That's why we still married. Some of y'all need to take notes, okay? I like it. But what she always does when she wears the pumps, she always has a pair of flats, that she takes with her because these pumps are not meant for longevity. They are meant for looks. They look good for a minute. Like she'll step out the car and I'm like, look y'all, you see them? And then as soon as nobody can see, she switches it out for the flats for the rest of the evening. And it makes me laugh because this verse says that your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Some of you don't have on the sandals of peace. You have on the pumps of peace. They're good for five minutes, but they aren't meant to move. Some of you make a good show of the gospel in church, but you ain't comfortable enough to move anywhere else with it. We must be ready at all times, not only to stand on the gospel, but it must be fitted. It must be custom. It must be tailor-made for you so that you can comfortably move around the battleground and spread the gospel. You say, what is the gospel? I was lost, but now I am found. I was dead, but now I am alive. That is the gospel. How do you make that tailor-made? Guess what? You have an experience. You know what that's called? Your testimony. Your testimony is your custom-fit gospel about Jesus because Jesus Jesus affects you in a way that he does not affect anyone else. So if your feet are shod or ready with the gospel, the fitted gospel of peace, it will require you to take that custom gospel and spread your testimony wherever your feet may lead you. Because here's the thing. Some people may be able to dispute a Bible verse that you might have memorized, but they'll never be able to dispute your testimony because it is custom for you. You experienced it. You know that it is true. And this is why the Bible tells us that you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So you better fit your feet with that custom gospel that comes because you know you were blind and Jesus helped you see. You know you were lame and Jesus helped you walk. You know that you were dead and Jesus brought you back to life and nobody in the world can dispute what happened to you because it is your custom fit gospel that God allowed you to go through. Because if somebody can watch you go through it, then he'll know for themselves that if God could get you through it, he could get them through it too. Amen. I want you to understand 
When I got nothing else to stand on, I stand on my testimony because it's custom fitted to me. And nobody could take it away from me. You got to stand on truth, righteousness, and the readiness that come from the gospel because they are the foundations to spiritual warfare. But secondly, the armor of God uses your faith to defend you. Listen, I'm going to say it because if you don't listen, you might not catch it. The armor of God uses your faith to defend you. Not somebody else's. Your faith to defend you. Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with, underline this, with which you can extinguish. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The previous pieces of armor that I mentioned to you, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace, all of those are foundational elements, and those are worn at all times. But something is di uh, different is said about the shield when Paul talks about it. He says, in addition to this, take up. Take up. Pick up. Which means there's times in war where you need the shield and sometimes where you don't. So this thing, this, this, this shield of faith must be, must be taken up. And this shield would not have been an ordinary shield. Back in the times when Paul would have written this, this shield would have literally been as tall as a soldier. It would have covered their body from head to toe. Why did they need a shield that large? Because usually at the beginning of battles, what opposing armies would do is they would fire, they would fire arrows in the air. And when they fired arrows in the air that were lit on fire, they would do it at the beginning of the battle to confuse and surround an enemy. They weren't necessarily meant with the intent to kill the people that they were falling on, but if they did, awesome. That just helped the opposing side, but they were meant to confuse and they were meant to surround. So all the soldiers on the opposing side knew at the beginning of the battle, especially, I need to pick up my shield because I know that these fiery arrows are coming down on me. What does this tell me? This tells me that there are moments in your life where you need to pick up faith in order to stand in this war. Listen, faith is something that you don't know that you have until you need it. You don't know you have to pick up faith until you've lost your job. Like you don't know that you have to pick up faith until you get the bad diagnosis. You don't know that you have to pick up faith until the bank says no to the loan. You don't know that you have to pick up faith until your marriage starts going sideways. You don't know that you got to pick up faith until you're dealing with the lost son or daughter. But when you pick up faith, this is the part I want you to catch. You have to realize how much power you're holding when you finally decide to pick up faith. Like it's all oh my when you realize the power that you have decided to pick up in response to these things in life that will happen to you because you cannot change what happens to you in life. You can only dictate how you respond. But when you decide to pick up faith, you have power. And you might not think that you got a lot of faith. You might not think you have a lot, but if a mustard seed size amount of faith can move a mountain, don't you think it could shield you from an enemy attack? You don't, that's why I, was, I love when Jesus said this. He was like, man, you don't even need much. You just need a little bit to move mountains. Surely if it can move mountains, it can shield you from an enemy attack. But listen, listen to what the shield of faith, the, the shield of your faith does. Let me tell you what it does that I think is remarkable. When you hold up the shield of faith that protects your whole body and the fiery darts of the enemy 
are coming down on you. It does two things at one time. It doesn't just stop the arrow. Did you catch it yet? It doesn't just stop the arrow. What does the verse say? In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish. I love this because the shield of faith doesn't just stop the arrow. It takes the fire out of them. Your faith takes the energy away from the enemy. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you today. This is why you still believe your marriage can work even when your spouse is acting crazy because of what Mark 10 9 says that what God is joined together let no man tear asunder. This is why you believe that your kids will get it together when they're acting crazy because you believe what Isaiah 53 5 says that excuse me you believe what Proverbs 22 6 says that if you train up a child in the way that they should go when they're old they will not depart from it and this is why you believe that even when you get a bad diagnosis from the doctors and they say it's nothing else you can do you believe what Isaiah 53 5 says that by his stripes you are healed and it's why you still believe for God's plan in your life even when you got a hard time dealing with where that plan has led you you believe what Jeremiah 29 11 says that you know the plans that he has for you plans to prosper you not to harm you but to give you a hope and a future and it's why you believe that God cares about you even when you feel like you've already hit rock bottom because what Matthew 11:28 says come to me all who are wearied and burdened and I will give you rest and it's why I still believe for a church home even after numerous times people told me they would never sell to a church because of Philippians 4:19 that says my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus my faith renders the enemy's attacks useless my faith takes the energy away from the enemy it does not just stop the arrows it extinguishes them and here's the reality my enemy can keep shooting arrows all he want because my faith has extinguished the arrows before they've ever been shot your faith extinguishes the arrows of the enemy but finally the armor of God puts you in the right mind to fight back got to be in the right mind to fight back Ephesians six seventeen says take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God take it now you're taking up more things you're taking up the helmet you're taking up the sword I want to I want to rest on this helmet for a little bit take up the helmet of salvation the helmet that Paul would have seen would have been a leather helmet with metal studs surrounding the helmet and then usually it would have had some kind of insignia on the helmet based upon who you were fighting for it's so that you could be identified on the field of battle you ever ask yourself why is it a helmet of salvation why couldn't it be like a breastplate of salvation why couldn't it be a belt of salvation why 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 couldn't it be a shield of salvation why is it a helmet of salvation I'm gonna tell you why because the biggest battle for your salvation is always in your mind it's always here so Paul is telling us you need to put on a helmet of salvation because the first place you ever question your salvation is in your mind is is it is it real come on it can't be that simple what, what, what else do I have to do like there's got to be more to it right like I know I you know you said if I confess and I believe like I'm saved, but I don't feel saved like the first place you ever doubt your salvation is right here 
in your mind because the enemy knows if you lose your mind, you lose the war. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you allow God to renew your mind, you will not question the salvation Jesus Christ died to give you. This is where most people lose the fight. You see, the truth is, I'm going to say the things that they won't say on CNN and they won't say on Fox and they won't say on ABC and they won't say on NBC. This mental health battle is not clinical, it's spiritual. Like you could try to drug away all the mental health illness that you want. It's not a clinical battle. And I believe in mental health professionals. I think a lot of people I know especially need some mental help and they need some therapy and they need some counseling, but we got to get to the root issue. It's not just a clinical issue. It's a spiritual issue because if the enemy can plant a seed of doubt in your mind about your salvation, he can drag you down to hell with him. This is why he attacks people's minds so much. The mental health crisis, I believe, is the modern day battle for souls. We've heard that so much. Mental health is an issue. Mental health is an issue because this is the place where the enemy said, man, I can get a foothold on them because if I can make them doubt what God said about them, if I can get them to doubt who they really are, if I can make them think that they are crazy, then I can make them end up in the same place that I am right now. The mental health crisis is the modern day battle for souls. And I want to reach my hand towards you. And if you know somebody with mental health issues or you have them yourself. I want you to reach your hand back as I pray this over you right now. I rebuke clinical depression and anxiety and mental health issues over your life in the name of Jesus and I declare that the helmet of salvation will cover every single mind that is under attack. I pray that the enemy will loose his foothold on our brains and on our thinkings. I pray that the enemy, I rebuke his negativity that we are allowing him to impact our mind. I rebuke every lie the enemy has ever told you. I rebuke every negative thing that has ever been said about you. And I pray that God would fortify your mind right now in the mighty, matchless, powerful name of Jesus. I rebuke clinical depression in Jesus' mighty name. People's minds are under attack. Let's call it for what it is. Let's stop trying to outdrug the problem and let's outpray the problem. In Jesus' name. It's why the helmet of salvation, it's why it's a helmet because God wants to protect what you know about your salvation in your mind because this is where the enemy wants to steal it from you. But after you put on the helmet of salvation, you got to make sure you have that sword. That sword. The sword of the spirit, we protect our mind with the helmet of salvation, but we fight for our lives with the sword of the spirit. It's God's word, y'all. We need this thing now more than ever. It's not just the old book of fairy tales, man. It's history. It's, it's true events that have happened in the lives of individuals to encourage us that if they went through it, we can go through it and come out on the other side too. And Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's not just the old book. It's alive. There's no other book that you could read today that's alive, 
I don't care if they tell you three self-help tips to get better by whosoever. It doesn't matter. The greatest help you can get is not from yourself. It's from God's word. But God's word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God has called us to be expert swordsmen. The problem is, I see this with so many believers in 2021. I've been around for a long time, so I can always spot an, inex an inexperienced swordsman. I see them each and every day. They claim Jesus, but they couldn't quote a scripture to save their life. And when they get attacked by life, they don't know how to counter because they have no muscle memory. So what are you talking about? Steph Curry had an MVP season, but that's a controversial statement. So I'm going to say one that people that know basketball will more than likely agree with. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. Anybody that knows basketball will never deny that statement. People that have studied the game have studied Steph Curry and his work ethic. Steph Curry is in the gym perfecting his shot longer than any other human on the planet, so much so that scientifically they have clocked what uh, they would call in basketball his, his release. I haven't released a basketball in years, so forgive my form. But when, when Steph Curry brings the ball up to the time, he lets it go. It's called his, his release. Steph Curry has one of the fastest releases in NBA history, and he has practiced that so much that whether he is alone at the three-point line or if he is being double or triple team, his release is so fast that defenses cannot keep up with his release because it's so quick. So it doesn't matter how many people are attacking him or trying to defend him. He lets the ball go so fast that he's able to score effectively before the, the defense ever comes to try and stop him. You know what Steph Curry has? He has amazing muscle memory. He's practiced so much out of the spotlight that when he's in the spotlight, his body does what it knows to do when he's not in front of the spotlight. Steph Curry has amazing muscle memory. And I want you, I want to ask you this. How fast is your release? See, the reason some of y'all getting beat up so much because your release is slow. You have no muscle memory because you don't practice your word. Oh, pastor, be nice. No, you don't read your word enough. And every time you get attacked, you don't know what to do. You're looking for somebody else to pray for you. Oh, I, I, I better tune in today. I need this word. You need this word because all week you haven't gotten a word for yourself. I, 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 man, I just, I, I need, I need, I need the pastor to pray for me. Why? You don't know how to pray for yourself. Your release is slow. Your muscle memory is terrible. And I'm not here to beat you up today, but I want you to understand there is, listen, it's not different just because it's God's word. It's, it's the same. A good swordsman knows how to be effective in battle, but you have to swing your sword when there is no enemy around to know how to release your sword when the enemy finally shows up. 
This is why we take the time every day to wake up early and get in our devotionals. Man, listen, I'm not worried about the enemy attacking me when I, when I wake up. When I wake up, I'm in God's word. Because here's the thing. I know the enemy's coming eventually. But I've been in my word so much by myself that when the enemy actually comes to try to defend me, my release of the word is so fast that he cannot stop me. I will continue to score because I practice God's word so much in private that it comes out when I'm in public. Man, let me tell you something. Every time the enemy see me, he get mad because I release my sword so quick. Some of you, the enemy's on you like this. You're like, ah, I can't get it out because you don't know it. I, man, I, man, I release fast. Man, the enemy comes up at me with some nonsense. I give him Psalms 119 real quick. I've hidden the word in my heart so that I do not sin against God. Enemy want to come up on me? I'm like, oh, man, you ain't got no plan for your life. I'm like, man, shut up. Romans 828, for we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and the call according to his purpose. I pull my sword out quick. Oh, man, I got something. I'm going to get you this time. This fiery arrow is going to get you. No, it's not. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage and the service of the Lord, and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Amen. Devil, you cannot touch me. I can quickly pull out my sword when I need to because my muscle memory for the scriptures show itself in public because I practice it in private. Don't be the Christian that runs into battle with a sword and you don't know how to use it. Got to put on the salvation, the helmet of salvation, but you got to pick up the sword of the spirit and prepare your mind and your heart to fight back. But look at the last. See, everything else is preparing us to stand. But the last thing that the apostle says prepares us to fight. Look at what he says as we get out of here today. Ephesians 6, 18. After you put on the full armor of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all types of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Man, I love that part because, see, now I don't just have to stand on the battlefield and wait for something to happen anymore. Now I can start to make things happen with my mouth. I can speak things into existence with my prayers. When we pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, we take the fight to the enemy. Christians should never be prisoners of war. We should be declaring war in prayer. I declare war on the enemy that wants to trap our children in a social media bubble of, self, of low self-esteem. I declare war today in the name of Jesus on an enemy trying to kill my family and friends with, with clinical depression. I declare war on an enemy that wants me to give up in the ministry. I declare war on an enemy that wants me to believe that my wife isn't the best woman for me. I declare war on an enemy that says that the way things are right now is the way that they'll always be. I declare war on an enemy that says I have no business preaching with the things that I'm thinking. I declare war on an enemy that wants you to believe that fast money is the only way to make money. I declare war on an enemy that wants you to believe that a negative attitude is the only way to get attention. I declare war on an enemy that has you settling for pornography as a substitute for intimacy. I declare war on an enemy that wants you to 
live in fear. I declare war on an enemy that wants you to believe that addiction to drugs and alcohol is the only way that you can cope with life. I declare war on an enemy that makes people believe that racism, sexism, and classism is justified. I declare war on an enemy that will try to make this generation believe that my God is not real. I declare war on an enemy that will try to make us believe that Jesus ain't coming back, but the Bible I read told me that he's coming back like a thief in the night, and I am ready with the release of the scripture at all times, because he may pop up at any moment. I declare war on the enemy of lies. I declare war on the enemy of hate. I declare war on the enemy of my soul, and I'm not holding back because I know if God before me, who could stand against me? Declare war on the enemy in Jesus' name. Today as believers, we got to choose to put on the full armor of God and declare war. Because the truth of the matter is, you didn't start this war, but our God will finish it. He's going to finish it in Jesus' name. I don't know who I'm talking to today. But I know there's people that are going through all kinds of stuff and you're like, God, why is this happening? You don't even realize you're in the middle of a war. You can continue to live a life helpless in this war or you can choose to fight on the right side, knowing that our God, he fights for us. All you have to do is choose to take a stand for him. He doesn't tell you to fight. He just says, stand. I got you. Put on the armor and stand. Let me do the fighting. Don't choose the wrong side today. If you want to be on the right side of this war, this war that started before you were born and will continue to go on until Jesus returns, if you want to be on the right side of this war, you got to pick Jesus today. I said it already, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead, you pick the right side today. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you're out there and you want to confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you want to be on the right side of this war, like I said, you didn't start the war, you didn't choose the war, but you can choose the side you're on and you can be on the winning side. If you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're tired of fighting and feeling like you can't win, my God's already won. You want Jesus. You want to beat depression. You want to beat anxiety. You want to beat fear. You need to choose Jesus and be on the winning side. On the count of three, choose Jesus. Here we go. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up. Wherever you are. Might be on Zoom. Might be on, you know, Facebook or YouTube. I can't see it. Guess what? I can. Say, I, I want to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm choosing that side today. I want to put on the full armor of God. I'm tired of, of losing in a battle that I didn't start and a battle that I can't finish. But at least I know I could be on the right side. You want to be on the right side today? Can't see your hand, but I know God can. And more than your hand, guess what he sees? Your heart. He sees your heart. And man, when you open your heart to Jesus, you're always on the winning side. So man, if you, if you made that decision today, I want everybody in the sound of my voice to repeat this prayer after me. We're going to confess and believe that Jesus is in your heart. So here we go on the count of three. We're going to repeat after me. One, two, three. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. Not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. 
I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness to take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you believe that, let me tell you something. You're on the winning side. You are on the winning side. You are on the side of heaven. Let me tell you something. Our God has never lost. The enemy cannot defeat him. As a matter of fact, when Jesus Christ rose up on that cross and said, it is finished, depression in your life is finished. Anxiety in your life is finished. Mental illness in your life is finished. Despair is finished. Fear is finished. Jesus canceled those things on the cross when he defeated the enemy once and for all. And if you made that decision, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful that you made that decision. And we always celebrate salvation at Cool Church, man. So uh, I know there's a number on the screen. If you made that decision, text the number on the screen. Text Cool Fam, one word, to the number on the screen, 1-833-675-9430. Um, and, and, and here's what we do. Like I said, we celebrate salvation. So start start putting those claps in the comments. Start start putting some hearts right now. I want hearts going crazy on the screen. We about to celebrate all those that made a decision for Jesus today. Here we go. You ready? If you're on Zoom, shake your screen a little bit. Here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's go. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise him. Praise him. Yes, Lord. Thank you for every brother and sister that made that declaration today. I'm so proud of you and I love you, but more than that, God loves you. Let me tell you something. You didn't choose this fight, but if you stand in the spirit of the most high God, I promise you, it may not be easy, but God's going to fight every battle for you. And then right now, I just feel it on my spirit. If you got a battle that you're facing and you're like, man, I know it's something spiritual to this. I promise you there's always a spiritual connection. If that's you, just reach towards the screen right now. I just want to pray. God's going to help you fight that battle, whatever it is. Battle of the mind, because this is where the enemy wants to fool you. Might be a battle of the heart. Might be a physical battle. Whatever it is, just reach towards the screen. I want to pray for you right now. Father God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters right now that are experiencing a battle. They're in the middle of war, God, whether they realize it or not. And I pray, God, that they would be fitted with this armor, God, the belt of truth, God, that will allow them to see the situation for what it is, the breastplate of righteousness, so that they're wearing the righteousness of Jesus and not the righteousness of themselves. I pray that their feet will be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace so that they can stand on their testimony, God. If you did it before, you'll do it again in their life. I pray that they will pick up the shield of faith, knowing that the faith, the size of a mustard seed, if it can move a mountain, it could definitely extinguish the arrows of the enemy. I pray that they will put on the helmet of salvation right now God to protect their mind their their mind is a battlefield and I pray that they would not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of their mind but God I pray that they would pick up that sword of the spirit they would get into their word daily I know people want a, a, a some kind of complex spiritual fix but it's not that complicated we just need to get in our word if we draw closer to you you draw closer to us that's what your word tells us but finally I pray that we were praying the spirit on all occasions, about all things, with all types of requests, for all types of beliefs. I pray that we will pray for each other, God, so that we could take this fight to the enemy. Because he's already lost, God. And we want to stand on your word and stand on your truth. 
God, what they feel like right now in this season, let them know it's only a test. And if they don't quit, they win. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen, amen. Man, I hope that blessed somebody today. I love y'all so much. Share this with somebody you know going through a struggle, going through a fight. Got to put on the full armor of God. They'll be ready to stand in the battle. Hey, reach towards me. Let me bless you before you go. We got uh, Laura and Lamont. They got some uh, more info for us on the host tip. I love y'all so much. Can't wait to see you next week, Father's Day. It's going to be a movie. Come. We outside. We outside. Come. Don't let nothing stop you. We outside. It's going to be awesome. Come. Register today. Come. God bless. Bless the best people in the world, the people of Cool Church. God bless them as they rise up, as they lie down, as they go out, as they come in, and they're laboring in their leisure. God, surround them with your presence. And God, I pray that this week of their life will be the absolute best week of their life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Love you so much. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you've heard, please consider sharing it with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And always remember that you were created out of love.